What's up, everybody? Welcome back to At The Half with your girl, Jackie Ray. Thanks for listening to me on CBTV Radio or 950 Lounge and wherever you might hear your podcast, including iTunes and Spotify. Make sure you follow me everywhere on social media at Fanatic. We got a lot to talk about today. We're going to get into this Nick Cannon situation. Some former Washington players are not excited about the name change and Kenny Stills, y'all. He's out here getting arrested for all the right reasons. I am loving it. Okay, let's take a deep breath and just dive right on into this first one. I am going to be very calculated, very methodical in what I say on this one because I don't want to get Nick Cannon um, right when I get my new platform. I'm going to be very careful in what I say here. Uh, But if you don't know, Nick Cannon was fired by Viacom on Wednesday the 15th, tax day. Hope you guys got all that done. Uh, he's, he was fired because he supposedly said anti-Semitic statements on his Canon's class podcast, which was posted on June 23rd, no, June 23rd on all streaming platforms that you can listen to a podcast on. And then it was, um, I saw it on June 30th on YouTube. I did actually watch it when it came out. I didn't watch the full thing when it came out, not because I wasn't enjoying it, but because Nick to me, which is probably the main and only real critique I have about the interview that he had with Professor Griff. Professor Griff, if you don't know, he's a former member of, well, current member, but he was a former member of Public Enemy. They actually kicked him out because of anti-Semitic statements that he made but then they welcomed him back in. So he's a current member of Public Enemy, but he has long since been saying this, guys. Every single thing that he says, he has been saying for well over a decade. I haven't been following him long enough to know if it's the exact amount of time, but it's definitely well over a decade. I am also curious as to why the backlash took so long. Like, again, it was on streaming platforms on June 23rd, It was on YouTube on June 30th, and the firing didn't happen until July 15th. That is a a little stretch of time in between the creation and the circulation of the podcast to actually the firing. And to be honest, I didn't even hear about the potential firing of Nick Cannon until late Monday, late Monday evening. And then, but again, I had watched a good portion of the podcast on YouTube already, and it didn't strike me as odd. It didn't strike me as hate speech. The only real critique that I had was that Nick is not the best interviewer in the world. He will ask a question and instead of letting Professor X answer it, he would kind of jump in and started giving his take on whatever the question is he just asked. If that's what Nick Cannon wants to do, he needs to do a solo podcast like I'm doing right now where he can just kind of go on these rants about his own opinions. So that's the, that's literally the main and only critique that I have for Nick Cannon on that podcast. I, I don't, I don't disagree with anything else that was said on that podcast. And again, I'm not trying to put myself in a situation to get Nick Cannon. I just didn't, I didn't see anything that he said is, is a non-truth. So Let's get into some of what he said. You can go watch. I mean, I believe Nick Cannon, he issued his first, He well, he didn't issue a, an apology, but I believe he's since taken it down since he issued his second statement, aka apology. But some of the things that he said on the podcast is he called black people the true Hebrews. 
I, uh, again, I'm, I'm having a hard time here <laughs> because again, I'm going to do the best I can to tread lightly on this situation, but let me just break this down in a way that I'm not going to say anything. I'm just going to throw some facts out there to you. You do with it what you like. Okay. If you read the religious text, the word says, for those of you out there who are Christian, that Jesus, Yahweh, whatever you want to call him, was had skin that was golden bronze, kind of like mine, and he had hair of wool, kind of like mine, minus the box braids right now. Uh, so black people have long since known that the depiction that we have of Jesus, who was Jewish, have not been in, not been correct. They have, they have been depicted in a way to rip us from our history. We know this, this is a widely accepted thought process. If you believe that Jesus was Jewish and if you believe that he had melanin in his skin, the, the road to try to enlightenment isn't that far. The road to try to understand why all of a sudden the melanin faded out to what we have today, that road doesn't seem very far. I get that that's a road that is not often traveled. And I have been personally told that it's a road that I should not travel publicly for various reasons. Like you don't want to get fired by your employer. I fully understand that. But when you geographically consider the region and you consider where Jerusalem, Bethlehem, Israel, all that is, and you start thinking about before colonization, which would be BC, then that region, that continent in its entirety, not having people that have melanated skin, yeah, that don't make a lick of sense. It, it doesn't make a lick of sense. So that comment to me, just from a geographical standpoint, even if you're not religious and you want to take out what we know about Jesus, um, if you want to take that out of it from a geographical standpoint, yeah, I got nothing. I got nothing. I don't have, I don't have, I don't see that comment as anti-Semitic. Okay. So the next thing he said was, um, he says he was talking to professor Grift about some of his past statements that have been considered anti-Semitic. And Nick said, quote, it's never hate speech. You can't be anti-Semitic when we are the Semitic people. Well, we are the same people who they want to be. That's our birthright. <clears throat> Excuse me. That's our birthright. We are the true Hebrews. Okay. So again, I don't have an opinion on that. I am not going to make an opinion on that um, because I, again, geographically speaking, don't have a a knee-jerk reaction that says that is untrue. I do not have that. Um, and I, I believe that if you are expecting people to, who understand the, again, take the religious text out of it. If you're expecting people who understand geographically the continent, the time period, and who was on that continent, prior to colonization. And if you're trying to get people who understand that to suddenly believe that anybody who comes from that content continent originally would not have melanin that, that no, that doesn't make sense. That doesn't make sense. So I, I, 
I am no, I'm team Nick Cannon right now. Um, and I definitely am very, again, y'all know I gave, um, Steven Jackson a shout out when he tried to come to, um, Deshaun Jackson's aid when, when Deshaun was accused of the same thing. Now this is totally different. Let me just say that this is entirely different than what Deshaun Jackson did, because regardless of who you think are the true people of the continent of Africa, I'm saying it that way for a reason, the continent of Africa, we are considered African Americans because we come from the melanated continent of Africa. Well, let that sit in for a second. So regardless of what you feel about what Nick Cannon said about that, I have said time and time again that I am pro black people sticking together at all costs. So I just want to take this moment right now today and give a huge shout out to Sean P. Diddy Puff Daddy Combs, who he went to Twitter and he said, quote, Nick Cannon, come home to Revolt TV, truly black owned. We got your back and love you and what you have done for the culture. We are for our people first, for us, by us. Let's go. Hell yeah. I'm so for that tweet. Yes. This is the kind of energy I need us as black people to maintain. I have said this one billion times over. I bet you if you counted it, it would literally be a billion times. We need to create platforms, businesses, institutions, banks, hospitals. So when we are mistreated or when we are ousted by people who don't look like us, they have a place to go to call home and be comfortable and continue on in their careers. We have to build this platform so that we don't have to worry about treading lightly on white eggshells. We can go over here and we can do our thing with black people who feel like this, because get, this is what would happen. If you could have two different black people in the room, one black person will somehow believe that the original people of Africa had no melanin in their skin. This black person will believe that. There's another black person over here that will believe that don't scientifically make sense. These two black people can have a conversation and a dialogue together, but as long as their mind frame is, you know what? We are black people. This is a topic that we can just explore together. We can study together, but we are going to stick together and build together. That has been my dream since I was 16 years old. I cannot tell you that I did black backflips, literally. No, I like the first way I said it, black flips. I literally did black flips when I saw P. Diddy Combs come out and say this. Nick Cannon has not responded to that. I feel like he, he probably does have some passion in his heart for Viacom and especially his Wild and Out platform because originally all he said was, nah, y'all gotta give me back my um, my Wild and Out. And he demanded the rights back to that. When he wasn't getting that, then he kind of backtracked and he he did an apology that wasn't really an apology. It was like, hey, I'm just trying to get, 
I'm not, I don't mean any disrespect to my Jewish brothers and sisters out there. I'm just trying to get this word out. And then he issued another apology where he, it was more of the formal, what corporate would want to see apology. Maybe he did that to keep his job at the mask singer. Maybe he did that to keep his job at power 106. I don't know, but I really believe you can believe his first two statements and what he said, which he was not that apologetic. So I, I cannot tell you how proud I am of P. Diddy Combs and, and, and his, him staying the course with Nick Cannon. I, I look, we ride together. We die together. We black as hell for life. That is, that is my sentiment. I, I am so excited about this. I can't even tell you now. Dwayne Wade, you guys know Dwayne Wade. He is my King James's buddy, best buddy to me. In fact, um, he also issued a tweet and then retracted it. His original tweet said, Nick Cannon, we are with you. Keep leading. Now, he obviously, I think he got, they said something like 2,000 comments. So he deleted that and then he reposted this comment. He said, I want to clarify my now deleted tweet. I was not supporting or condoning what Nick Cannon specifically said, but I had expressed my support of him owning the content content and the brand he helped create with a praying hands emoji. He says, I was too quick to respond without being fully informed about his hurtful anti-Semitic remarks. As you all know, I have a zero tolerance for any hate speech, which yeah, obviously, um, I, I believe him. I believe him when he says he has a zero tolerance for any hate speech because his, uh, his son is, is now transgender. So, um, yeah, I, I, I get all of that, but again, I don't have anything negative to say about Nick Cannon. I, I've been listening to Nick Cannon for a long time. Like I said, I have been watching him since drumline. I am so proud of his growth. I am so proud of his honesty of who he is as a person. I would like him to get better as an interviewer, but that is literally me asking somebody who hasn't doesn't have any journalistic training to all of a sudden be an active listener. Because what it tells me when you interject into someone's response is you're not really active listening. You have something already in your mind that you want to say, and that is more important than what they want to say. So that's my only real critique for Nick Cannon is to be more of an active listener. So then that way you can hear their response. And you can respond to that. If you don't have a response to that, then go to your next question. But I would just really like Nick to A, get back on his platform and maybe, because now you don't have Viacom. So this is this is what I really am proud of Jamil Hill, Carrie Champion, and I wish Woj would do, is understanding that we are in a different age. We are turning into a different time where you don't need these big conglomerates especially once you have, like, I would need this big conglomerate right now because I am Jackie Ray. You give me a year in front of the masses and I'm good. Look at what happened to Van Lathan when TMZ acted a fool with him and there was a straight fool that they acted with him. Van Lathan is fine <laughs> because you are your own brand. We tell athletes this all the time. You are your own brand. You have to nurture your brand. Once you get in people's faces and they see you and you build your fan base, you can decide how you shape your career. Nick Cannon is one of those people right now. And I am, that's why, again, I'm so proud of P Diddy for extending this olive branch to him. I don't think he will need it, but I am very proud that revolt is black owned, black operated and reached out a hand to another black man that this is the most beautiful thing that I've ever seen. I am so excited about it. Um, but again, I don't have a real opinion about what Nick said outside of that, except for 
Nick, if you really want to um, help a podcast out, you can, you can come on this podcast. We can do this together because I love you, period. I don't have anything to say about else to say about that. But look, if you have something to say, I'm, I'm probably going to really, again, I'm going to tread lightly with this. I said what I said. Nick said what he said. Uh, I don't have any ill feelings to anybody. I just think that when you look at a, an entire continent and understand who was there versus who is there now, uh, I don't think you should have to tiptoe around that. I think sometimes facts are just facts. Now, when you talk about Judaism as a religion, that's another conversation. But when you're talking about Hebrews, that's another conversation. So... We can have the conversation. I'm down to have the conversation. Maybe maybe Nick should have approached the con conversation differently, but it's still a conversation. And it's one that needed to be had. We'll be right back, you guys. Thanks again for checking me out on CBTV Radio and 950 Lounge. I'm your girl, Jackie Ray. Stay tuned. I'm a young black man Doing all that I can To stay in 2016, the deaths of Alton Sterling and Fernando Castile changed my life. Every day, I'm being haunted as prey. I remember feeling hurt and defeated, confused about what I wanted to do next. And then something happened. I tuned to the ESPYs and saw Dwayne Wade, Carmelo Anthony, LeBron James, and Chris Paul take the stage. The system is broken. The problems are not new. The violence is not new. They challenged athletes and entertainers to use their platform to unify this country, but also call out injustice. I just wanna live. I remember feeling so inspired and motivated the next day I jumped into action. What aren't we listening to? Unfortunately, only a fraction of us answered that call. But history has shown us the impact that only a few voices can make. Guys like Tommy Smith and John Carlos Muhammad Ali, Mahmoud Abdul Rauf, and Colin Kaepernick. And now it is time for all of us, athletes, coaches, and media, to do our part to make this country better. All right, had to take a break because that, that one was kind of deep. <laughs> um, but let's get into this next one. We have talked at length for a long time about the Washington franchise and them changing their name. They are finally doing it after pressure. I have said on just about every platform that I have been on, um, I've said it on the Opposite Reaction podcast with Nick Hamilton. I've said it on the Fumble. I have said it everywhere that this is a financial move. And I know it's a financial move because Dan Snyder has said that as long as he owns the Washington franchise, that he would never change the name. On top of that, when you watch football, obviously it's not going to happen this year because we're probably going to see no fans in the stands or very, very limited fans in the stands. But when you look at the stadium and you see white people <laughs> or non-Native American people in full-on red and yellow war paint like the natives do and headdresses like the natives do, but it's done incorrectly. It's disrespectful. And it shows that they have no regard whatsoever for the natives that they're essentially mocking. So, and when, like I said, when you look at the, the, the games and that's almost any game except for the, the Falcons, <laughs> but 
most games, when you when you kind of look at the the fan base that's actually in the stadium, it's predominantly Caucasian. And so, I I had said that if you did a poll of every single fan in that in the D.C. area, that probably none of them want to change the name. Um, and I think that's disrespectful. And I think that's really sad because I was one of those people because I grew up a Dallas fan. I am not a Dallas fan now. For those of you who have followed me for any length of time, you know, Jerry Jones is racist as hell. While I think just about every single owner in the NFL is racist, Jerry's a little too open with it. Dan Snyder might be first in his, his blatant racism. Jerry Jones is second. And let's not forget that Washington has done this before. Washington has said they would they were the last team to integrate to allow black people in the organization because they said they would never do it. So 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 them being defiant and racist as hell is not new for them. Clearly it's been passed down and Dan Snyder is is definitely going to pass it down to whoever he gives the team to or wills the team to. So this is not going to be anything new. And what's disappointing to me is like you know, I've heard people say, oh, I- I'm very much one of those people that I don't think people change at their core. So I know what you're going to say. Oh, Jackie, you just said you were one of those people who liked the Washington franchise. I was because I liked the whole Cowboys and Indians kind of play on thing that we did when I was a kid. That's how I grew up. I was a kid. But I also at my core have never wanted to be mean. (laughs) I'm not a mean girl. You know, I'm not one of those people that you can tell me, oh, you hurt my feelings or, oh, this is causing me pain. And I'm like, I don't care. Get over it. Like, that's not who I am as a person. Now, if I've done something that is, you know, sometimes people get their feelings hurt because you do something that they just don't like. That's different. But when something that you are doing is causing them pain because they feel like you're mocking them or you're not considerate of them or you're being disrespectful, that's totally different. I am not a mean person. So once you kind of learn, and I'll be honest, and I said this on the fumble, the only thing that changed my mind about the Washington franchise was speaking to a Native American. And literally hearing them say, no, this is not okay, this is not cool, and this is why. So the second I heard that, number one, I felt like a dumbass, you know what I mean? Because we live in a time where, yeah, it was cool to hear it from somebody who's affected by it, someone who grew up on a reservation, someone whose family, like they can trace their lineage back to when the colonizers came over here and stole their land from them. Like their, his history was deeply rooted in him being a native. So he fully understood what that phrase meant and he fully understood how disrespectful and racist it was. So yeah, it was cool to hear that from a person like that. But at the same time, this is a day and age where it shouldn't have taken me that. It it shouldn't have had to come to that for me to learn that. The second I heard and saw Native Americans protesting against this, I should have said, huh, let me look into that. I shouldn't, none of us should be the type of people that just because it doesn't affect us, we blow it off and say, uh, okay, whatever, right? Same thing with what we just talked about with Nick Cannon. I think that if you actually feel that his his phrasing or what he said was anti-Semitic, maybe go back and look at the history and see if there is, just trace the history of that continent. 
And then if it still doesn't make sense to you, then let's have a conversation about it and let's find some common ground, right? But common ground needs to be found on this one, uh, on that one with Nick Cannon. This one, there's no common ground. You've literally said, that would be like uh, Washington being named the Washington N-words and then Dan Snyder saying, I'm never going to change the name. It's the same thing. It's literally the same thing and it's disrespectful. What's more heartbreaking to me is the number of people that said, yeah, they can change the name. It reminds me of, but not even remotely close when in Denver, I'm from Denver, um, when they Invesco bought the stadium. So it was supposed to be called Invesco field. Bronco fans said the hell you say <laughs> it's been mile high city. It will forever be mile high city. We won't call it anything else, especially since we as taxpayers got to pay for it. Hell no. Pay for half of it, at least. So Invesco, because it's not a racist name and because they had nothing to lose in it, they said, okay, let's find a common ground here. It's called Invesco Field at Mile High. That's the actual name of the stadium. So there are compromises to be made when it's a non-racist situation. There's no compromises to be made when you're using a flat-out racist term, and I would hope that people who previously or currently play for the franchise would get that. But that is not the case, which bothers me. Um, because Jeff um, Bostick, he is a former Washington franchise player. I am not going to say the term. I'll call him the Washington R's anytime this man says this in this statement. But he says, I've got great memories, great game scenarios that played out. There are parts of that I'll never forget the rest of my life. It was an honor for us to put the helmet on that had the R emblem on the, on the sides. Um, this is a political and financial decision. This isn't what most people want. I'm sure if you're talking, taking polls in the DC area, how many people want to keep it or change it? I guarantee you the overwhelming number is to probably keep it. So that's just sad to me. Like he's literally just saying, I don't give a damn what these natives say. This always going to be the R franchise to me. That That's crazy to me. It reminds me kind of when I was in Denver and this white kid literally told me, he had called me the N-word. We ended up having a race riot over the situation um, in the school. And he looked, at, he looked me dead in the face one time and said, there's N-words and there's white people. That's just the way it is. That's what, that's what he is saying right now. That is what Jeff is saying. He's like, there's football. And then there's our word football. And I don't give a damn if it's our word football and if that's a racial slur or not. That's what I'm calling it. Um, he said, Doug Williams, he's the former NFL quarterback who actually won a Super Bowl with Washington. He says that he doesn't think it's a big deal because the players didn't think it was a big deal. He says, when we played, we played because that was our job and what we wanted to do. Our services um, as Washington uh, sorry, we played because that was our job and that's what we wanted to, to do. Players don't come thinking I'm going to play for this slur name. That's not on their minds. All they know is that they're playing in the NFC East and they're playing the Dallas Cowboys, New York Giants, and Philadelphia Eagles. Now, don't, what does that mean? Just because you don't think about it means you're exonerated from using the term? I just don't understand people's thought process. And, and it's, and it's, it's, it's prevalent and it's just sad. Um, They've had this name for 87 years. But anyway, the Navajo Nation put out a statement as well regarding the retirement of the, of the 
Washington nickname. They said July 13th, 2020 is now a historic day for all indigenous people around the world as the NFL Washington based team officially announced the retirement of the racist and disparaging Redskins team name and logo. This change did not come about willingly by the team's owner, but by the mounting pressure and advocacy of indigenous peoples such as Amanda Blackhorse and many other warriors who fought long and hard for this change. 87 years they had this slur word. 87 years. And people think, oh, it's no big deal because we didn't mean anything by it. Kind of like they think, oh, yeah, mass incarceration is a thing in black communities, but we didn't mean anything by it because we didn't directly do it. I, you know, the stupidity that's abounding in our country right now is very, very, very difficult for me. I do on that note want to shout out Kenny Stills real quick uh, because Kenny Stills was arrested um, protesting the Breonna Taylor and the fact that her killers have not been arrested. I just want to share a personal moment on this one real quick because one of the officers who killed Breonna Taylor posted on his social media that he was at a beach chilling, having a good time. That literally brought tears to my eyes because if I had killed someone accidentally, I would not be at full functioning capacity on a beach drinking mimosas. I took someone's life. Now I can argue that maybe I don't argue to put myself in prison for that, but I can't flaunt my life and my freedom when I have taken the life of a woman who was literally trying to save lives. That's, that was literally her job. On top of that, her boyfriend, who tried to defend the woman he loved from people that he thought was breaking into his home, is still facing criminal charges. How is he facing criminal charges and these thugs and terrorists who broke into her home are not facing charges for her murder? He, it was self-defense. How come stand your ground is not holding true in this case? You guys broke into the home. It's, it's astonishing to me, but Kenny Stills and a bunch of people, they, there was about a hundred demonstrators. They marched from a high school to the attorney general's home and sat on the lawn and demand that charges be filed. Um, and then of course the, the, district attorney who's a punk from for all rights all the way around the term punks really applies to this this attorney general decides to call the police and and have them removed and then the attorney general says well everyone out there was given the opportunity to leave prior to be taken into custody i you know what i am not a fan of this situation at all but i am a fan of Kenny Stills because Kenny says it's been 116 plus days since hashtag Breonna Taylor was murdered by the Louisville police. Not one single police officer has been held accountable. Time to put our bodies on the line. See you in Louisville next week. He give a damn about y'all arrest. He going back. And I promise you, if I did not have to work, if I had Kenny Stills money where I could have some money set aside, I would be in Louisville with you. 
So I want to shout out Kenny Stills because I love how he has stayed the course. He has protested every city he goes to. He does not care. He will take a knee. He is raising awareness. He is about that life. And I don't know how many more times I can get this message through you, y'all. That is what I'm about. We need to stick together at all costs. Kenny, if you need anything, holler at your girl. If I can do it for you from here in LA, I got you. You need me to make a run somewhere in California, I got you. I'm riding with you and I am proud of you for all that you are doing to raise awareness about this Breonna Taylor situation. And I'm just thankful. Really, I am. So we're going to make it into this home stretch. Uh, stay with me. We got one more segment. You don't even know what that is. I will tell you coming up next. But first of all, thank you to CBTV Radio and 950 Lounge. And make sure you follow me everywhere at J-Red's Fanatic and come back in a minute. Heartbeats from the bottom of the Atlantic tide screams midnight horror stories dangling from trees. We's tired, hands broken, wealth building we never seen. We, 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 we's tired, tired of lynching and lies, turning our pain into smiles, our hurt to dance, tired of sacrificing our baby's dreams to make you feel comfortable. We's tired, we's tired of kneeling and nodding, winning but losing first but last, and we can't even raise our fist at a football game. Hell, we can't even raise our fist at a football game. So this is what we want. We want to love ourselves freely. We want to speak for ourselves. We don't want handouts. We just want everything we created and everything that was created as a result of what we created, and we want it with interest. We want to outlaw racism and white supremacy and ban the Confederate flag. We want to be free from images that undermine our self-esteem. And we don't want to get choked to death in our own backyard. Yeah, this is what we want. Yeah, this is what we want, like one big we, like one big we, one big outrageous we, one big outrageous we, yeah, this is what we want and what we need, yeah, this is what we want and what we need, what we want, what we need, what we want, what we need, what we want, need, what need, what need, and we need it now, we need it now, we need it now. All right, guys, welcome to the home stretch of At the Half with the girl Jackie Ray. Once again, make sure you follow me everywhere on social media at Jerry the Fanatic. Um, if you're listening to me on iTunes or Spotify or wherever you listen to your podcast, make sure you subscribe. Follow me on my YouTube page. And once again, thank you so much to CBTV Radio and 950 Lounge for giving me my new home. Um, I wasn't sure I was going to talk about this one, you guys, because sometimes I just get a little bit annoyed by the lack of respect uh, Cam Newton is getting. But he has been having at least one cameraman. I don't know. From some of his camera angles, it looks like it might be more. But he has been having at least one cameraman follow him around and kind of get footage as he works out. Um, and he's been expressing his frustration with how, you know, the Carolina Panthers just kind of abandoned him. And then team after team after team just kind of passed on him. So, he settled, you guys. There's no other way to look at this. He definitely settled. His contract is not the best. I get that, you know, a lot of analysts have, have broken it down and kind of said that with the salary cap, the Patriots did basically all they could do with Cam Newton. Um, I mean, I would argue that, number one. But number two, they notoriously underpaid Tom Brady. <laughs> so uh, they cheat when it comes to the quarterback position. So I get it. Um, although... Again, I really feel like Cam Newton settled, and the fact that he has been injury-prone worries me that he settled. But if you follow this man on his social media, you know that this man is working out like he definitely has something to prove, that he wants to prove it, that people don't even know who he is. In one of his videos, he said, y'all don't even know this Cam because I don't know this Cam. And so now he's got 
this hunger and this intensity inside of him that I think that we all, we all want to see. Um, if you have any time, uh, either today, whenever you listen to this podcast or maybe over the weekend, go, go check out Odell Beckham's YouTube page because he has a segment or a little show on there called the bigger picture. It features him, Cam Newton, Todd Gurley, and Victor Cruz. It's, it's long, but it is a really good watch. It is, um, they talk about everything. They talk about the pandemic, the social movement, some of the scrutiny they've been under, what it feels like to be living in this time, things that we've all kind of talked about. So I highly recommend that, that you go check it out. And like I said, during this whole thing though, Cam Newton kind of talks about how he felt like the Panthers laid him out to dry. He said, quote, he said he gave them things other players wouldn't want to give and played when he knew he shouldn't have played because he wanted to be there for his team. That's crazy. So we know some of the injuries that he's endured. So maybe had he sat, he wouldn't have had some of those injuries, but he said he wanted to be there for his team. Um, if you guys don't know, if you, if you're new to checking me out here on CBTV radio, then you might not know. I am a crazy, (laughs) insane Odell Beckham fan. The only reason I don't have an Odell Beckham fan is because he doesn't play for uh, Jersey is because he doesn't play with the saints and he plays for Cleveland. I wanted to get one when he played for New York, but I just, I hate the Giants franchise just so, so much. But if you can get out of Cleveland, I promise the next place Odell goes, I will get his jersey. But I am a huge Odell Beckham fan. And he was talking about how he plays with this passion and this intensity. And he feels like uh, Cam Newton made an analogy of how he plays. He's like, it's like that, that um, scene in The Lion King where the first time Simba actually roars and you, you hear that lion come out of him. And then Odell said that he would roar like that. And to him, it was his passion and his intensity and his love for the game. But other people saw it differently. They saw it in a negative fashion. They saw that he was crazy or arrogant or cocky or whatever. And so he tried to tame that. And much like I said with Cam Newton, he has to admit that taming that kind of affected his level of play. Uh, We also found out this week that Odell thought about retiring when he got injured. And so because he was getting all this negative backlash from fans and stuff, but when people started rallying around him, it kind of woke him back up. But we've seen a quieter, gentler Odell Beckham in Cleveland. It's purgatory, so maybe that's why. But I don't like a quieter, gentler Odell. I need Odell to be Odell. Whatever that means to everybody else doesn't matter because that's when he's his best, authentic, athletic, crazy, insane catches self. Now, granted, catching insane passes when Eli is throwing to you and he's not the most accurate quarterback in the league, probably a little easier. But nonetheless, Odell puts his mind and his heart and his body, his entire body into his game. And if that means he wants to act a little wild and crazy, first of all, you got to be a little wild and crazy to play football and just put your body on the line like that. You ain't normal. So go ahead and go out there and be unnormal. Um, So I was just kind of sad to hear that both Cam Newton and Odell Beckham felt like they had to kind of tame who they were, especially Cam Newton, because Cam Newton is a tame guy. He is a come to work early, leave late, work hard, and then go out and have fun. That's how it's supposed to be. That's the guy that you want on your team. So for either of these two men to feel like they had to tame who they are, on the one hand, I want to say, yeah, it makes me feel bad. But on the other hand, I get it. I've been told to tame who I am on more than one occasion. Truth be told, I'll probably be told that right after this podcast. Um, But it is what it is. But 
Um, Cam seems to be ready to to change his mindset and sit and be confident in who he is. Um, he addressed the the uh, elephant in the room, as, as he called it, and playing behind Tom Brady. Um, and he says that, yeah, Tom Brady, who he is, is great. But he, he put um, Josh McDaniels on notice, and he said, Coach McDaniels, this is his quote now, y'all. He said, Coach McDaniels, you're able to call some stuff that you ain't ever been able to call until now. You're getting a dog. You're getting one of these kicked off dogs. And I'm looking to schedule at the schedule. I'm like, who are we playing? That team passed on me. Okay. That team passed on me. So he's ready to go out there in every team because he said that people had to literally look and say, hey, we need a quarterback. How we feel about camp? Nah. And he feels some type of way about that. And I, as he should, you know, as he should. Um, another thing that uh, kind of troubled me is when both Odell and and Victor Cruz said that they did not feel like Cam Newton's personality was going to mesh well with Bill Belichick. Um, I mean, I, I don't know about that because when I, when I think, I don't know about that. Um, because Bill Belichick, first of all, we would have to argue the term personality. I can't say that any of us have actually seen Belichick have anything that even remotely resembles a uh, personality. <laughs> the man doesn't have even, even, even any facial expressions, but he'll cheat though. He has said, you ain't cheating. If you ain't trying, you ain't, you're not trying. If you ain't cheating, if you ain't cheating, you ain't trying. However the hell the cheating phrase goes, I don't know, but he definitely said that. So he's not opposed to cheating. And more importantly, I think that Cam Newton and Josh McDaniels will have a dope relationship. Josh McDaniels has a very good offensive mind, terrible head coach. Terrible head coach. He should never, ever, I don't care who offers him that, he should tell them to give that to a black person who is qualified because he ain't. He should never, ever, ever try to head coach again. But his offensive mind is dope. And I think that if he and Cam Newton can get on the same page, then it really won't matter what, you know, what happens between he and Belichick. I think Belichick is a good enough coach that he can let – people lead in the areas that they're supposed to be leading. So Belichick, even if he has some kind of animosity towards Cam Newton, I think he'll default to Josh McDaniels. If Josh McDaniels is good with Cam, then Belichick is good with Cam. So I, I think it'll be okay um, for Cam Newton. Again, it was just really difficult to uh, go listen to it, you guys, because it is definitely worth a listen. It's definitely worth hearing um, how Odell Beckham feels. Um, about the situation. Also, real quick, shout out to Miles Garrett for getting all the bag because we know uh, Mason Rudolph said something racist. I don't care what y'all say. I know that he said something racist to to Miles Garrett that caused him to catch them hands. So um, I think that is the ultimate revenge to go out there and catch a suspension. And then end up getting all the bag because, you know, you deserve it and it's wor you're worthy of it. But I just want to really quickly, if I can see their schedule and see, because we know the Chargers passed up on Cam Newton. We know the Seahawks passed up on Cam Newton, which I'm not, I'm not mad at that because, you know, they still have Russell Wilson, who's got a, a lot of gas in the tank. But all right, so look, week two, they got the Seahawks. 
Um, they got the Raiders, which that's where I kind of said that he should go because I understand they got Derek Carr and whatever, but at some point you got to give up that ghost. You got to give it. You just got to give it up. Um, it's going to be great to see him against Patrick Mahomes on October 4th, though, because Cam Newton is not young Cam Newton. Um, so it's going to be great to see what's going on over there. I think they'll beat uh, the Broncos. I think they'll beat the 49ers. So it's it's just the whole schedule. Again, there is some people on this list. I don't think they played the Chargers, though. Um, I know they played the Dolphins a couple of times. So it's going to be interesting to see how Cam Newton plays this one out. I am excited for him that he has this opportunity, but I am, again, saddened that he felt like he had to tame who he is, not only as a player, but as a person, just to be able to go out there and play this game. It's it's unfortunate. It really is. And I'm, I'm hopeful. You know, I've been hoping that Odell would get out of purgatory, a.k.a. Cleveland, but it doesn't seem like that's going to happen. So maybe, you know, because before I said, before I was praying for, Odell to get out. I had said Baker Mayfield might be the guy that could turn Cleveland around, maybe. But then when he got Odell Beckham, you have you have Odell Beckham, you have Landry. There should be no reason that y'all can't become the kings of the north. But it didn't happen. If it doesn't happen this year and Odell is healthy, he needs to go find him a way to get paid somewhere else. You got to get out of purgatory, my man. Get somebody to pray for you. Ain't that how purgatory go? Somebody got to pray you out? I'll start the prayer chant. I, I don't mind. I got you. <laughs> All right, y'all. That's going to do it for me on At The Half here on CBTV Radio and 950 Lounge. Once again, follow me on all streaming platforms, including iTunes um, and Spotify. And don't forget to follow me on all things social media at Jerry the Fanatic. Come back here on CBTV Radio every single Tuesday and Thursday. Follow me every single weekday weekday morning on the Fumble Live on YouTube and the Weekend Zone, 10 o'clock in the morning uh, Pacific time on Saturdays. And until then, guys, be safe, love each other, talk it out. If you got a disagreement, talk it out. And if you're black and you have a place where you're black brother and sister can land safely after experiencing something set out that that foam mattress let them land safely there y'all let's look out for one another all right we'll see you next week